the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Nike's share of the sneaker market. Is it greater than 80% or lower than 80%? Nike's share of the basketball sneaker sales market. It's greater than 80. It's 90%. Whoa. So Under Armour is the NCAA tournament's real Cinderella story because they're putting their shoes on players tied towards uh, Notre Dame. Um you know, Under Armour is a best-in-company history. Six schools wearing its shoes in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I like both Under Armour and I like Nike. Four reasons the Cheesecake Factory is crushing competition. Cheesecake is a publicly traded company. It is the type of stock that I would recommend buying for a kid. And saying, okay, Junior, you're 12 years old. We go to this restaurant. Let's take a look at their business. Let's talk about the stock. And again, I want stocks to be fun for kids. I don't want them to be winners. You know, you could go with electronic arts. You can go with Mattel. I want to go with Mattel, but you could go with Mattel. Um, Get Facebook, Apple, things that they buy. If you can get a kid involved in seeing what stocks do, they could start learning, oh, here's mistakes I won't make in the future. But like the Cheesecake Factory's business is on fire. They've done a very choosy expansion plan. They've got great quality. They've got mass appeal. They've got smart operations. Um, have you ever been in a Cheesecake Factory and looked at their menu? Their menu is gargantuan. <clears throat> the brand lets people prep, you know, hand chop veggies, meat and seasonings. The actual dishes are prepared by cooks. The operation system helps the company prepare food fresh and keep dishes out faster out the door. Their spoilage, they use 98% of the food that they buy. So the company uses data analytics to predict what customers will order. That's crazy. How do they know I'm going to get the chick parm or the, uh, how do they know that? Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. 
Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking money, talking investments, talking much, much more. Chad, I remember a couple years ago, someone said, what rate of return would you take to quit? Basically, they want me out of the industry. So if they can guarantee it to me, I'd quit. Um, typically, historically, I'd say about 15% was the number that professional money managers would take. If they can get 15% returns guaranteed for the rest of their life, they'd quit. That seems a little high in this day and age. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think because of the, the debt bubble and the deleveraging situation that we're going to see around the world for the next 10 years, I think you could cut that in half. I mean, the money doubles every 10 years at 7%. So the guaranteed return of 7% is unbelievable. <laughs> you couldn't find that. I would say that back in like 99, yeah. when interest rates were higher, um, there was fixed annuities out there by A-plus rated companies that were guaranteed at 6 and 7% for 10 years. Yeah. That was beautiful. It's In hindsight, it is beautiful. At the time, we didn't take it because there was bigger returns happening on the market. And it's funny because now that number, 15%, how about 12%? That still sounds pretty high uh, as far as a guarantee for the rest of your life. Would you take it? Deal with the devil. Um, but it also comes down to different people, different expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for my income, I'm really I'm only expecting two to four percent. But some people may need four to six percent. So they change their expectations to what they need, and then suddenly they're they're taking on way too much risk. Well, yeah. So let's you got to kind of peel back your expectations a little bit because of the deleverage that we're going to see. I still think we're going to see positive returns in markets over the next decade. But I think that might be a little bit muted potentially because of the deleveraging. Uh, banks aren't lending as much. You don't have that kind of capital flow throughout the economies of the world. Um, so it's going to come a lot of from innovation, and two-thirds of the growth are, is projected to be from emerging market areas. And when you're dealing with emerging markets, you've got currency exchange issues, mm -hmm. so you and you have political issues. So to get those historical averages of 11% in stocks that we've seen over the last 100 years, it means over time, not necessarily right away, but you're going to have to have more and more of your portfolio in international investments which means you're going to have to deal with more volatility. And that's why I say it's so important that by the time you get to retirement, you need three years' worth of expenses in cash so that you have a buffer for all of the volatility that we will continue to see over the next couple of decades. So you start blending some of your expectations is, is the concept there. You know, historically, stocks have averaged 10% plus some dividends. Mm -hmm. Bonds have averaged 6%, real estate 5%. So you start with the historic averages, but you understand that now, because in your words, deleveraging, you lower some expectations in you know, I, I saw someone once say, should I invest in this stock? It's got a 19% yield. Well, historically, anything over 6% is like an earthquake. So when you go three times the historic rate of returns of what you could expect, you're starting to look at like a disaster in your portfolio if you're being too greedy, if you're, you're extending your expectations. Yeah, the dividend trap when people are hunting for yield. The, the, the most successful investors over time are, are the total return investors that deal, yield, get both yield from dividends on stocks and bonds and capital growth out of the share prices. The dividend growers and a way to hedge inflation in the long term with a portfolio is have a significant uh, portion of the stock side of your portfolio, which when you get to retirement might only be 30% of your portfolio in stocks that consistently raise their dividends on a year-over-year -year basis. If you do screens for that, I mean, you know, I typically have 25 to 30 stocks that are in the dividend growth type of criteria where we're only buying companies that raise that 10% a year dividend. Right. But there's always about 200 companies on deck that meet that criteria. So there's, there's that investment style out there that is important when you're in retirement. It might not get you the, the, the souped-up growth years when small and mid-cap are really rallying or emerging markets, but it gives you that long-term consistent total return of growth and income with an inflation hedge because the companies are increasing their dividends.
That's pretty good stuff. Now, um, you know, sticking with that concept, uh, give me a little bit more color on what your expectations are for real estate. Uh, real estate, because we're finally bouncing along the bottom here and we're seeing the final, finally signs of bottoming, um, there th- could be things that can derail that, of course. You yeah. know, any kind of a major systemic credit issue where banks don't want to lend anymore or increase in interest rates because of inflation, that could, again, cause harm to real estate. And we will probably see a decade of, it's some not, not anytime soon, but soon, where you see high inflation because of the amount of money that's been printed around the world. Um, but historically, real estate returns to the point of location, location, location. Mm-hmm. It will grow in areas where there's jobs being created um, and young people moving there. And it goes up at the pace of, of, of wages, yeah. right? You have the, the most important thing that determines the value of the house is the affordability of the mortgage. And so if the rates start going up, mortgages are more expensive. Right. And Less affordable. And if in, in income isn't inflating – then housing prices aren't going to go anywhere. So they look like they're bottom. They look like they could go up with wage inflation right now. But if you know you don't get any wage inflation or there's you know many increases in interest rates, it could cause the housing prices to sit here for 10 years. Talking rate of returns and expectations with certified financial planner Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's where his CFP resides, newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. The American retirement funds are now starting to contain big names uh, that are tied towards private companies like Uber and Airbnb and Pinterest. This is important because these retirement funds like Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, and BlackRock are all trying to figure out where can they get good yield. If the interest rates start to move up, you're going to see startups start to move down in valuation. It's going to be a wild move. Things are going to change when interest rates move higher. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and mo. Sounds more broody. I'm just not broody. Women like broody. UPS said today that they've doubled their total compensation for 2014 of their chief executive officer. His compensation goes to 8.4 million from 4.1 million. Pay package included increasing his base salary from 499,000 to 674,000. Most of the pay increase was in the form of stock awards from $3.2 million up to $5.4 million. So in theory, he can make much, much more if the stock does well. Supercell. Supercell. Super freak. Supercell. You know what I love about the Supercell commercials, right? Kate Upton. That's what I love about the Supercell commercials. She's uh, the chick who walks around battlefields in Clash of the Clan commercials. And 
just that's all I have to say. Kate Upton. Full year revenue was $1.7 billion in 2014, up from $570 million in 2013. They've done really, really well in the Chinese and Korean markets. Um, I'm at the age where I don't know anyone who plays Clash of the Clans. I do know one person who did, but I don't know. Not so much anymore. Other stories of note out there today. We have a new Taco Bell. Breakfast wars are heating up. We get the biscuit shaped like a taco. It's the newest weapon that Taco Bell has launched. The biscuit taco. Out goes the waffle taco. Big new ad campaign for Taco Bell is going to paint the McDonald's breakfast eater as dull. I know you're saying, like, there's a lot of thought that goes into this, isn't there? The crunch wrap, which is grilled tortilla stuffed with eggs and hash brown along with sausage, bacon, or steak. Star menu item. Big business. Big business. Taco Bell said breakfast has been holding steady about 6% of sales. That's compared to with between 20 and 25% for McDonald's, which has been playing up its crack fresh eggs. Big business. Elsewhere out there, I kind of hinted at this, and I'll hint at it again just in case it didn't come across. If you work for a startup, when interest rates start moving up, things are going to start getting disrupted, and money is going to start going elsewhere. Americans' retirement funds increasingly contain tech startup stocks because they have to. Companies like Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, and BlackRock are looking for yield on their investments. Other stories of note today. Under Armour is the NCAA's tournament's real Cinderella story. It's a best-in-company history. Six schools right now wearing its shoes in the NCAA tournament. The longer those runs happen, the more bang for their buck that a company like Under Armour get. And clearly, they're a winner in that scenario and, and very, very pleased to be there. So they also announced that they've signed Stephen Curry recently. I like both Under Armour stock as well as the stock of Nike. Cardholders are leaving home without it. The American Express card, don't leave home without it. Change in consumer habits, extremely aggressive competition and increased, and increased pushback from merchants are all pressuring Amex. I like Visa. I like MasterCard. As an investment, Amex is okay. I'm not going to knock it just because they're down. I'm not going to say, no, I don't like it. I like Visa more. Rivals are trying to steal away business and succeeding in some cases. Costco, for example, has ended its 15-year relationship with Amex in their defecting Citigroup and Visa. Airlines that used to give VIP lounge access to Amex cardholders have been switching in recent years to other credit card companies. Amex also lost an American antitrust government suit, the verdict that could damage its ability to compete. American Express stock is down 12% this year. They've cut their profit estimates from $6.2 billion down to $5.6 billion. What's $600 million? <laughs> They've announced 4,000 layoffs, 6% of its workforce. So it, what's killing them is other cards with lower annual fees. Card issuers have energetically quartered merchants who use to accept only Amex. Uh, so things have changed for them. 
They're going to lose $80 million of spending transactions tied towards Costco. Citigroup also recently created a card called City Prestige. It's a high annual fee card aimed at Amex Platinum card holders. City's thank you program a year and a half ago was pretty much so worthless. Um, but they've introduced you know, some really good reward cards. So they're becoming quite formidable. By the way, I like Citigroup stock. JP Morgan introduced its own reward cards in 2009 with a program similar to Amex called Chase Ultimate Rewards. In the end, you're going to see more cards compete with them. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Facebook wants the New York Times, BuzzFeed, and National Geographic to publish articles directly to their platform. So Facebook is in talks with at least half a dozen media companies, including the New York Times, BuzzFeed, National Geographic, to publish directly on their platform. The idea is that publishers' content would load quicker for users, particularly on mobile. Inside Facebook's platform, then it would, if users would click on a link to an external website and wait for it to load. Details of the new format are scant. Watch out who you sleep with, tech companies. New York Times, you lay down in bed with Facebook and they'll bite you. The first illegal drink that I ordered with a fake ID, I think I was like 18, and my uh, driver's license was a guy named Roland Clay. It's kind of actually a cute story. Me and my friend Brian Pasquitz made fake IDs by creating life-size fake IDs from Arizona. I lived back in Virginia at the point, so people never knew who, where Arizona was kind of thing. And my fictional address was 806 Toronto Lane. You had to memorize the stuff, right? So this is 20 plus years ago, but it was Roland Clay. And so I made this big life-size, like, four feet by two feet fake ID, and then I took a Polaroid picture behind and put my head and cut out where the picture would be kind of thing. It worked, believe it or not, but the first illegal drink I ever bought was a Greyhound. And uh, the bartender, I go, yeah, I'd like a Greyhound. And he goes, it'll bite you. And uh, you could tell that he knew that I was underage, and you could tell that he wanted to scare me a little bit. And, well, let's just say it works. So I still remember that story for some reason. I don't know why. New home sales hit a seven-year high in February. That's a positive sign. That's a lot of growth there. New U.S. single-family home sales surged in February at their highest level in seven years despite harsh winter weather. That's very hopeful. Super Freak! I'm not going to talk over Super Freak. I'm not like.
Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money on Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Trying to get your retirement. Trying to get you that big six-figure number at least. Somewhere over 800000 somewhere up to 2 to $4 million, depending on what your budget can be in retirement. That's kind of my goal. Joining me now, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Good to be back with you. Good to be... Good good to have you. Um, Taking a look at the markets, it's not really been a yo-yo, but it's a little slower these days. Um, But again, we keep looking at caution, and yet the market continues to work its way close to highs, whether it's the NASDAQ or the Dow or the S&P 500. Um, Where are we in the market right now, that that cycle? Yeah, well, I mean, I think part of the the hesitation in terms of driving things further here is uh, tied to the recognition that, you know, valuation starting to get stretched. Um, you know, the S&P 500 trading at, at roughly 18 times forward 12-month earnings, um, and that's pitted against the added realization that uh, the Fed is seemingly, you know, making waves about wanting to raise interest rates and knowing that they're talking about doing that. At the same time, profit margins are at record highs, uh, and um, and earnings growth is decelerating, if not perhaps declining and so I think we're just running into this wall of uh, a wall of hesitation to kind of just see what's coming down the pike here uh, and uh, knowing that um, some of the main sources of support here for the market to for this bull market you know interest rates being as low as they are inflation remaining low are still intact but um, the thinking should be that if the Fed's raising rates then some of those fundamental sources of support uh, may start to weaken. From your perspective, yesterday seems that there was a lot of headline news tied towards Greece and Germany and whether or not they're going to run out of money. How important do you think the Greece scenario is to the U.S. markets right now? Well, it, you know, when you've got a market that is, is you know, looking at a stretched valuation, uh, it, it will find reasons to... Um, uh, to justify whether it can run more or perhaps that it's you know it's way oversold and an issue like the one we have going on with Greece it's kind of one of those factors that uh, can come back to bite you in a in a period of complacency um, I don't think that Greece itself is you know certainly that you know important for the US economy but it can be for the financial markets uh, because there's so much um, uh, Currency tied up in the, you know, no pun intended. <laughs> There's so much currency tied up in this idea that um, Greece will not, you know, be allowed to exit, or you know, they'll they'll find some way to make sure that Greece stays in the um, in the eurozone. And you have a lot of one-way bets going on these days. Um, you know, we saw it with the dollar um, recently, and of course, it's gotten hit pretty good. We saw it with the euro recently when it was selling off pretty good, and now it's come back gangbusters here over the last week or so, and so. I think you have to worry about the complacency factors that relates to Greece uh, creating some potential uh, source of upset here in the near term. Coming back to the U.S. markets, uh, earnings seem to be grinding to a halt. In the end, it's all about the earnings that drives the stock market, is what I say, but there's always headline risks and currency risks and other things that are more short-term. But in the long run, it's, it's earnings. 
is that going to be what eventually brings down the market and, and causes the six-year bull to maybe maybe get to seven, but maybe not get to seven and, and pull back and have a couple quarters of contraction? Is it going to be the earnings that pulls it down, or do you think it's going to be technicals? What's going to bring the market down? Right. Well, you know, I, I look at things from a fundamental standpoint, and you know, you're okay. you're spot on. I mean, it's earnings that's you know that will drive the market, and um, you know what we've seen though is this uh, disconnect uh, between uh, the earnings trend and the price trend in the S and P 500. Um, so uh, I think that. If you see earnings actually decline outright, um, the latest forecast I saw is that they're still projected to be up uh, 1% uh, this calendar year. Um, But if you get an outright decline at a time when interest rates are rising, that's going to start creating some waves there um, with respect to what we talked about earlier and the fact that the market is trading at a stretched valuation. And, And with the earnings growth, the pace of growth decelerating, if not perhaps declining, don't think market participants will be as willing to chase uh, or pay up for every dollar of earnings like they have been over in recent years. And they're certainly going to be less reluctant to chase uh, returns in some of those high-flying names where the earnings growth might not necessarily measure up to expectations. And so that'll be a headwind, certainly, for the market. And it could certainly spell an end to this uh, bull run if you get an outright earnings decline. When I... Open up your page one this morning at briefing.com. It's how I start my day. It feels like you're basically throwing down the argument that the market right now is being a little on the convenient side for easy monetary policy. You made a point that if there's growth, people get happy, push stocks higher. If there's no growth, people get happy because more easy money policy is on the way. Is, Is that summed up correctly and... Where do we go? Where do, where do we find negatives if we can't find them in, in the numbers? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you summed it up right. I mean, I'm kind of almost written in a somewhat exasperated way. You know, when I saw the market react the way that it did after the latest FOMC announcement, um, and just really this idea that it, it just doesn't matter if you have bad bad news. It's always rationalized away as being an opening for added policy stimulus. It's kind of a dangerous situation. Um, I don't like it. Um, it doesn't sound like former Dallas Fed President Fisher likes it. You know, he recently said in an interview that he thinks people are getting lazy because they're so, uh, you know, tied up in this idea that the Fed put's going to be intact. Um, and he's worried about it. St. Louis Fed President Bullard seems worried about it in, uh, in recent days. He's been talking about that idea. So where do we go, you know, for, for negative news that's truly negative? Um, you know, I think it's going to have to come out uh, ultimately in, in this fundamental data. Um, it's going to have to be reflected in, you know, the, the earnings data uh, where people, you know, finally recognize uh, that the market's gotten too far ahead of itself um, in pricing in its, its belief in this Fed put and, and recognizing that the true fundamental picture of things is not as strong as, uh, as would necessitate a market at these levels. Um, and so that's something that people need to watch carefully for. Anything that you're working on that you think is important for our listeners to hear that I possibly didn't ask you? Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to start looking into this idea about the potential that you might see uh, earnings warnings pick up. Uh, we've seen the dollar index, notwithstanding some recent pullback, it's strengthened considerably since the end of the fourth quarter, and a lot of companies had uh, provided guidance then uh, for the first quarter in the full year that was baked on, uh, you know, 
dollar levels that were lower than where we are today, and we think that there's potential here for uh, heightened uh, earnings warnings as the first quarter reporting season approaches. Thanks very much. That is the one, the only Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. He's a chief market analyst. He gives us a lot of insight on the markets on a day-by-day basis. Um, He's with us on a weekly basis, but if you go to the website briefing.com, they do a really, really good job with explaining the markets on a day-by-day basis, even a minute-by-minute with all the resources that briefing.com has to offer. I love the site. Uh, Calendars, events, IPO markets. IPO markets kind of give me that, you know, what's kind of hot, what's coming down the road. Yesterday, there was a big set of stories out on how Irish scans could be used within the next four years uh, in cars to to authenticate a driver. Now, you stop and you go, eh, that doesn't sound all that great, but it kind of is. The whole Irish scan thing, if you're an insurance company, uh, someone gets behind the wheel of your car, it won't turn on. Fewer cars stolen, right? And you're like, too techy, too techy. It will catch on in some way, shape, or form. Um, more technology is going into your car than into your phone. I think there's something like $20 of chips found in a t- t- typical phone. There's something like $400 of chips now found in cars. And that number will only increase going forward. New home sales hit a seven-year high in February. That's nice. Um, the dollar's in panic mode, and that's something you have to be very cautious on trying to make a short-term bet, but clearly the trend should be for the dollar to get stronger in the near term and in the midterm as the euro gets weaker, as Mario Draghi and the European Central Bank are doing quantitative easing, and they don't seem to be backing away from it in any uh, tangible amounts. Twitter shares... Is a company, Twitter, is a company that I'm not going to buy into until I see some really good traction in their numbers. Um, if you look at the numbers out of Facebook, you see really good traction. When you look at numbers out of Twitter, it's, it feels some are really good. Then it gets a little weak. Then it gets really good. Then it gets a little weak. Anyway, 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Angelina Jolie has got an op-ed piece in the New York Times today where she talks about why she had her ovaries and fallopian tubes removed to prevent cancer. Um, she still has a uterus, but she added that uterine cancer does not run in her family. Um, I don't know if I need to be reading that in the New York Times. I, I guess she's important, but just not to me. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more.
First person tell me what I just said wins something pretty. And you're saying, ooh, pretty. Shiny. Americans drove more than 3 trillion miles last year. That's a pretty big magic number. U.S. economy added 3.1 million jobs. Gasoline plunged below $3 a gallon. As a result, driving topped 3 trillion miles for the first time in seven years. It's poised to climb higher. 33% slide at U.S. pumps, combined with an improving job market, touched off a national spending spree on sport utility vehicles. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Silicon Valley is home to the biggest tech companies and wealthiest people on the planet. All that wealth has led to an extremely bloated real estate market, where even teardown sometime costs several million dollars. Real estate listings site Property Shark created a map that shows just how drastically Santa Clara home prices have been between 2004 and 2014. The increase in square footage costs in, for instance, Leland Manor in Palo Alto, the price per square foot has risen 107% from $752 in 2004 to $1,612 per square foot in 2014. Uh, That's pretty common amongst Palo Alto. So basically what you're talking about is a 100% increase in prices in the last 10 years. Um, Let's see, what else do I want to throw out about that? Mountain View home to Google headquarters has seen some big changes as well. In Central Mountain View, the median sale price has risen 69%. Um, I would be cautious thinking that real estate's a great investment, and typically the people that tell you it is, it's they're trying to sell you something. So keep that in mind. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. We have a decidedly positive day at this point. Um, anything driving it? Not really. Uh, the dollar index recovers from an early morning low. Uh, you can't really say much more than that. Cyclical sectors display some weakness at the start, but have slowly recovered. We're seeing tech, healthcare, consumer staples all doing well. Weakness seen in energy, financials, materials, and utilities. Biotech index outperforming. Google's trading higher. Apple as well. Large cap tech names. Um, NFL is going to put one game on the web TV only. It's going to allow you to watch a Jacksonville Jaguars, Buffalo Bills game in the middle of the season only online, unless you live in those markets and you can watch them on TV. Uh, it's a bit of an experiment, and I like them doing that. It's all about, at some point in time, giving Americans the option to leave cable television and ESPN and things like that. Um, because I like the sports of ESPN. I don't like the sports center, the college sport. Like, there's too much. Like, there's like seven ESPN channels. Too many. Um, a flu shot that lasts for a decade could eat, be ready within two years. So this is a top executive at Mount Sinai Health System. A universal flu vaccine. It's now in development. According to the CDC and prevention, uh, CDC... Uh, this year's flu season is shaping up to be a severe one. The CDC reports 43 states are suffering through high or widespread flu activity. Flu obviously is something that hurts economic growth in the United States as people stay home and people go to the doctor. Uh, they're not getting work done. So progress is also being made according to this head 
at CDC in a battle against cancer where fatalities have fallen sharply as resources brain power are channeled at the problem. The American Cancer Society reports cancer deaths are down 22% over the last two decades, almost making me want to go out and smoke. Um, he says there's no equivalent of a polio vaccine for cancer, but we've made small steps. They're real steps against the disease over that time. Trying to get our defense mechanisms to take out cancer cells. That's what we're working on. The advances in genomics and biology. There are great drugs in the pipeline. They've already approved uh, some great drugs that can boost your own antibody system. Um, the body's own cellular structure can identify cancer agents as foreign and your immune system can attack them. That's pretty intriguing stuff. And again, I find that all fascinating. Um, I did a little piece on Cheesecake Factory earlier in the show. Their business is on fire. Their average Cheesecake Factory location sells $10.5 million of food each year. They're crushing competition. They've got 177 locations that they want to expand to 300, but they're being very choosy about it. Every time I go buy one, there's a line. There's a wait. The number of openings each year is governed by the availability of premier sites, not by capital or infrastructure constraints. They've been careful. They've got great quality. Nothing smacks of mass production. Vegetables are crisp and fresh. Hummus is creamy. The salmon is buttery. No doubt everything is sweeter, fatter, and bigger than it had to be. Their portions are huge. The high quality of their food keeps choosy customers coming back. The huge volume of food keeps people who are looking for volumes of food coming back. Um, the only thing that is not homemade is the cheesecake, which is interesting to note, which comes from an actual factory, the Cheesecake Factory. It's got mass appeal. They've got burgers and a lot of brands and seafood and pasta. I told you they use a computer to pinpoint you know, data analytics uh, to figure out what customers are going to order. They use 98% of the food that they buy. So it is a factory. It is a well-run company. And it's something you can study and compare it to other companies. For restaurants, they all benefit with the lower gasoline prices and the driving that we're doing. Uh, as we drive, we're on the road more. As we're on the road more, we're likely to eat out more. As the cost of gas goes down, we're also likely to say, hey, I got a little extra money for a restaurant. Tied it up in a nice bow for you. I'm Rob Black. Talk to you listen to the show. We'll talk soon. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.